Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 228, our first show of 2021. And you can find this and all our other shows and much more at dogcastradio.com. I hope the year's going really well for you so far. In an uplifting interview, I'll be talking to Jeff Allen from Monkey's House Dog Hospice and Sanctuary. One of our aunts said, you know, it's, it's the happiest place on, on earth. She said, move over to Disney. Because it really is. You know, we are, we have very, very sad times, but 95 plus percent of the time, it's extremely happy. We have the Dogcast Radio News. The simplest way to keep your dog safe may be plain old social distancing. Keep your dog away from others and stay away from their dogs too. And before all that, we get to grips with the thorny problem of separation anxiety, which can be an issue at the best of times. And at the moment, we've been in lockdown, out of lockdown, had local lockdowns, we've all had to wear masks, the world's gone mad, and we're all a little bit stressed out. So no wonder some dogs are picking up on that. To find out more, I spoke to George Bramble, who founded Beco. The company motto is, love your dog, love our planet. And to really do justice to the subject, you'll also hear Bryony Cole, who is a Beco ambassador and head trainer at Eye to Eye Dogs. So, let's jump in with exactly what is separation anxiety. So, separation anxiety um, is when a dog displays some kind of stress or anxiousness around being um, left on his own or her own or being left by a particular caregiver. Um, So usually we see dogs um, being destructive, maybe uh, showing signs of anxiousness like pacing or panting, whining, um, sometimes toileting. But basically it's a generalised stress around the idea of being left either alone or away from that primary caregiver. So that's what separation anxiety is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so why is it important to tackle it? It's just a bit miserable for dogs, to be honest, um, to live with a problem like that. Um, normally, the, the problem comes from not having a secure attachment with their owner. So the dog really is in fear that the owner might not come back or there's some there's something that's worrying the dog about being on their own or being away from that person. Um, and it's just a really uh, uncomfortable position for that dog to be in, because obviously we've got to go out um, day to day, not necessarily for hours and hours, but we've got to pop out to the shop and things like that. So there's going to be times where the dog has to be left. And really, in an ideal world, we want the dog to be happy and content in the knowing that the owner's going to come back. Um, and yeah, in an ideal world, curling up and going to sleep for a few hours um, until we're home and then being happy to see us when we get back. So really just to keep the dog's uh, welfare priority and make sure they're not worried by us leaving, really, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely right. Because if you can imagine every time, if you know, if you live with other people, if every time they went out and you were home alone, it was going to be miserable. You'd you'd constantly be thinking, when are they going next and keeping an eye on them? And, you know, it, it's just it's yeah. a horrible. Yeah, it's a horrible situation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I think it would put you in that constant, just like you said, in that constant state of, oh, my God, they might go soon. You know, when's it going to happen next? So, yeah, I think it's just a, yeah, not, not a nice situation for the dog to be in. Yeah, yeah. And is it something that many dogs have? Um, well, certainly after lockdown, I think we'll see a huge increase yes. um, yeah. because owners have obviously been at home 
all the time for such a long time um but yeah we do see it quite a lot you know um and i think sometimes dogs can have a low level of separation anxiety that kind of goes unnoticed which isn't always a bad thing um as long as the dog's not really stressing out when we leave i mean my my dogs when i leave the house they're a bit like oh do you have to go and then after a few minutes they'll settle down and be like oh yeah she'll be back in a while so it's not a not not an issue as such um but yeah we are seeing more and more dogs with separation anxiety these days um and it is definitely something that's in the forefront of the behavior work that we do for sure um, yeah yeah i'm just thinking about as you said about your dogs going and i know um george you've got a labrador and my labrador it wouldn't he could have he sort of i wouldn't say he had separation anxiety but when he realized that you were going out i've never seen sort of excitement that oh we're all going out go to oh Oh, yeah. Going. yeah. Oh, <laughs> everyone, <laughs> everyone knows that look. It, it, that sort of, you know, the soppy eye look, and uh, you leaving me. Um, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he would go and lie around the back of the sofa in the window, sort of. I'll just lie here and wait for you to come back. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure. There's, there's that great um, cartoon that my my son loves. I think it's a it's a dog's life or, or something like that where. Uh, it's it's based in New York and you've got all these dog owners um, going off to work in the morning and you've yeah. got the sort of um, the Dachshund who gets, who sort of goes for a back massage with the, uh, the, the whisk, um, you know, the, the mixer, the mechanical mixer. And, um, and you've got the Labrador and, and the Labrador just sits on the mat looking at the door all day. And, and, and this sort of Chihuahua goes, who lives next door goes, what are you doing? I'm just waiting for my owner to get back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sort of sums up. Labrador's quite well, I think. The sort of loyal, uh, also, but yeah, um, yeah, it is. It is heartbreaking. We're, I mean, we're very lucky. And obviously, I uh, own a, and run a, a dog business, um, a dog product business. So, um, obviously, one of the perks of the job is that you get to take your dog to work. So, um, we have a, a number of the members of the team that that bring their dogs to work. Um, and Taka is um, quite often in work with me or, or here with with my wife. So. Uh, yeah, we we don't have it so much, but I think it is it is a bit concerning at the moment, as you say, that everyone. I think a lot of people are still working from home, or, or they're, they're they're certainly working from home three or four days a week, um, and so it, it's very easy, isn't it? I guess the concern is um, if businesses next year start to move back towards um, you know five days a week um, or or three four days a week, and then I guess it's it's sort of making sure that. Um, you know, people are using dog walkers and 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 getting in um, extra help, whether it's friends or family, to let the dogs out. Um, Ronnie, what, what what how? I mean, I I always thought it was sort of never leave a dog for more than four hours. Is that kind of about? Yeah, what? that's kind of a rough guide. You know, that just in terms of yeah, keeping them happy and stuff. It's obviously ideal not to leave them for too much longer than that. Um, if if your dog's okay and content with it, then obviously once in a while it's fine to leave them and leave them with stuff to do. But yeah, like you said, it's going to be a real change for dogs when people, if people do go back to working full time and not just from um, them being home all the time, but most people that I know have increased the amount of exercise the dog's getting because they're at home and they want to get out more and so these dogs are used to having this great time where my mum or dad's home all day and we get to go for excellent walks um and then hopefully like people are going to put um 
put things in place for that transition back to work again because um for a lot of dogs it's going to be a little bit of a stark reality I think going back to what was the previous routine and for people as well because I think quite a lot of people have enjoyed working from home yes. to be honest <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I, I hope Boris is taking all these dogs into account when he makes his plans for <laughs> lockdown or not. Well, he'll, he'll certainly be listening to this podcast. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, he's got a dog, hasn't he? So he should be. <laughs> um, okay. So, as you were saying about that, the the, the cartoon about the um, it's pets life is it? I can't remember. Pets truth life, about, something truth, like truth, that. Truth about I can't remember. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, um, and I, I love that as well. But that that made me think of if we could see what our dogs and and other animals were doing yeah. while we're <laughs> out of work, we might be horrified. But of course, you know, we can. We we have the technology. We can put a, a camera in. So is that a good idea to 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 use a camera to see? You know, just to check how your dog is when you're not there. I think so. I mean, I don't, I kind of got two opinions. It depends what kind of person you are. Because I think if your dog's like lying by the door, giving you big puppy eyes going, oh, please come home and not being stressy as such, but just thinking, oh, I hope they come home soon. Then sometimes that I look at that and it will absolutely break my heart. Um, But on the other hand, yeah, it's really helpful to be able to tell whether the dog is is actually stressing or not. Um, And there are some really great wireless kind of Wi-Fi cameras that you can set up in an instant now um that are kind of 30 40 quid from amazon and you can just keep an eye on the dog and see what they're doing when they're home and and hopefully what you would see is your dog going and lying down on their bed and just going to sleep and relaxing um but it also if we are working with separation anxiety gives us a really clear idea of what the motivation behind that stress is um so that we can help people deal with it so yeah cameras are super super helpful um, we used to have to do everything on um, like a video call on our phone, but now it's so easy to find a camera that will link up to your phone that you can look at in an instant. So, yeah, I think they're really, really useful. Yeah. 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 Because can, is it, am I right in saying it's much like um, baby monitors? You can speak to the dog as well. So, um, if, if the dog's being naughty, you can tell it off or, or, or yeah you can yeah yeah you can speak through them and um most of them you can hear noise through as well as being able to view what the dog's doing and <laughs> i yeah i think it's a really interesting one because somebody once used that example the other day of yeah you can tell your dog if they were jumping up at the counter or something you can ask them to get off um but also if they are lying down asleep you can say hello to them but i did i must admit i tried it with one of my dogs and i, I think they thought that someone was talking from space because <laughs> they had no idea where this noise was coming from and I was like it's me and I was like oh I definitely need to not do this again because I think it freaked them out more than it helped to be honest this noise coming from nowhere (laughs) yeah yeah our little dog, our, our mischief always runs sort of round to the back of whatever it is and looks. Well, where where is the person then? Where you know? Why if, if this voice comes out? She's just like, oh well, what, what's where are they? She's, where did that come yeah, from? Yeah. Yes, their voice is here. The rest of them must be, but I can't see it. <laughs> I guess again, it's it's sort of it depends on the dog whether that would work or not but I mean you're right that it depends on the kind of person as well because I mean that the video there was a dog that went and got their owner's shoe or slipper and took that yeah. to their bed with them and then later yeah. you know and actually so many people going oh this is so sad this is so sad mm. i i thought what a clever dog to go and get the scent to mm. just comfort them you know the scent of their owner that's a great thing that that looks fairly content and and how, so it does depend on how you interpret what you see doesn't it 
Mm. That's exactly it. I think it's it's how you interpret it, isn't it? Because yeah, I would look at that the same and go, "Oh, that's really nice." Like he's been able to go and get that and go and sleep with it. But yeah, some people would think, "Oh my goodness, he's so distressed." And yeah, so definitely, it's, it's how you can put a spin on things, I guess. Yeah. Well, I do like it when a behaviourist agrees with, agrees with me. I'm like, "Oh, I'm a good girl. I got it right." Brownie <laughs> <laughs> <Funny> points. <laughs> um, okay, so if if you do have a dog who has separation anxiety, um who you know you come home to a destroyed house or you you put a camera on and they are genuinely upset when you're not there how do we help them what what should you know i know i know it's a quite a specific problem saying that but you know are there general do's and don'ts you can give us yeah i mean first and foremost if it comes on out of nowhere and your dog's previously been fine with being left alone then um it's definitely worth taking the dog to the vets just to check that there's nothing that's gone on um, or nothing that's developed all of a sudden that's made the dogs somehow be distressed being left. Um, But yeah, I mean, the first things first, to be quite honest, is to contact a professional and try and get help because it is a really difficult problem to solve. It's completely solvable. That's one thing. Um, But there are some little steps that you can put in place before seeing a professional and maybe a camera might be one of those first things that you do. So a lot of the time uh, when we see dogs with separation anxiety, the the stress starts happening several minutes after the person's left. Um, So it's quite useful to film the dog to see whether it is the fact that they've been left in isolation that's making them stressed or whether it could be anything like if the dog has a urinary infection or something like that and they need to go out and you might come home and see that the back door's been ripped up or something and think oh goodness me the dog's suffering with separation anxiety but actually it might be something underlying like that that says well actually the dog just needed to get outside that's why you were seeing this panic of please let me out um but yeah there's loads of enrichment tools that we can um leave with our dogs while we're leaving like uh kongs and stuffed toys and becco actually do a long like bone uh, rubber bone that you fill with food and you can smear peanut butter and things like that which is really really good for leaving them uh with and yeah just putting a few things in place so that the dog kind of eases into you leaving rather it being this stark reality but yeah definitely a vet check would be my first port of call as well with dogs like that yeah yeah and I mean you you saying sort of give them toys um they can pick up bed on the fact that oh mum mum or dad is making me a, a, a kong they're going yeah. to go and and sometimes I mean we used to make our dogs kongs and they used to be like yeah great you go you go I've got the kong yeah. I'm fine see you later yeah. yeah but for some dogs that those those signals that you're going it can be you know, can, um, is there a trigger stack them so that they go, oh, right, yeah. you're going to you know, is, is that an issue? Yeah, it kind of, again, we were talking about personality traits in, in people, weren't we? And it kind of depends on the dog. Yeah, so absolutely. Some dogs will really be hypervigilant of you and be watching you to see if you're doing these telltale signs, like making a Kong or even in the initial stages, putting your shoes on, getting your keys ready, things yeah. like that. The dogs can spot these little marker signals to say that you're going. And sometimes um, we will remove those marker signals so the dog can't predict it. But actually, a lot of the time, what the research is telling us nowadays is as well as the dog having a secure attachment like bond with the mm. owner, actually, sometimes it's more useful to put in structure so that the dog has predictability. Um, because 
what we have done in recent years is always taken away those markers and said, right, we're not going to let the dog be able to work up to predicting that we're going to leave. But nowadays we're saying, actually, yeah, we're going to create this great bond and then we're going to prepare the dog for leaving. And like saying, it's okay, this is going to happen. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, giving the dog stuff to do while we're out of the house. So I think it depends on each case really um, and each dog because every dog is different to the next just like people are but sometimes um it is useful to put things in place to prepare the dog for leaving so that they've got that structure and that they're not floating around in the unknown thinking oh my goodness she's taken away all the markers and she might just leave any minute yeah um so yeah i think it's dog dependent really in that one yeah yeah know your dog i tell you what i hadn't thought about um separation anxiety was that a good breeder now when i think of a good breeder i i think of sort of them thinking of the health tests and does this dog match this dog to mate with and things like that but there's the bringing up the puppies and a good breeder apparently will will build in the the resilience um that you know that, that gradually that dog is sort of paired with another puppy you know from going through with from with mom and all the siblings to perhaps with two or three others and then with one other and then on its own so even before you get that dog home hopefully they're building that habit of being happy on their own and that was a real eye-opener for me yeah, yeah. I, well, I think I think also certainly when we picked up Tarka thinking about things like a, a piece of the um the fleecy material that from for, you know a, a rug that was in the in in the in in with the mother was cut off and and put in a in a puppy bag and you know, it's something we we do a lot with with um well i say not many breeders actually breeders that, that really engage with the the bico brand but we've got a couple of cracking breeders that that we work with and when we set up puppy packs and um and with that it will be as um Bryony picked out a, a bico bone a natural rubber tube bone natural rubber tubal that that you can put treats into um and obviously we set them up with a pack of compostable boot bags and, and a bag of dog food but um, I think that, you know, things, breeders that think about that life after they've left their mother, it's a, it's absolutely the right thing to do. And, um, you know, and I, I don't know, Brian, I, I remember when, when we picked up Tarka, um, I remember the breeder saying, right, make sure you feed Tarka in her cage. So we got a little cage um, for her. And I thought, oh, a cage for a dog, you know, I, I thought I'm not locking my dog in a cage. And, and and actually I was told, no, that's the right thing to do because they see it as their home and their den. So, you know, I remember yeah. feeding Tarka for the first few days in the in, in her cage and made sure her toys and her blankets were in there and that became home. And that set us up perfectly because we travel a lot. And and so I could take Tarka with us and 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 stay in a friend's house and that put her in a cage and she'd be absolutely fine for, for a few hours or overnight um and i have other friends that did the polar opposite which was let the dog sleep wherever it wanted to in bed wherever else and then of course when you do go to leave they're not used to being left um separated and in a cage i think that's a yeah good breeders can set you up well i think yeah uh yeah i think that's a really good point because even with the crate stuff like creating um you know a nice safe space a nice den for the puppy that early is so valuable because the other thing that that helps when they're growing up as well is that even when you're in your home with your dog your dog might choose to go and spend some time in the crate while you're mm. maybe in the kitchen doing something else so you're already creating a bit of that alone time without actually leaving and the dog hopefully is happy enough to go and sit in there and um 
go through one of the two bones or or just go and have a sleep and you're already setting up good foundations for being able to leave the dog in the future so yeah I think breeders you know have a have a massive part in in the development and um of our puppies because they are there at that pivotal stage um and they also are handing out advice to owners which is which is really really important yeah yeah yeah. so it needs to be the right advice (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) yes absolutely sorry just just to jump in a a question what would you say um dogs that have been rehomed i know for example hit the news recently that Bassey Dogs Home is empty for the first time in its history. Um, have you got any advice on on rehoming dogs and, and the difference between, because obviously you're not necessarily picking up the dog as a puppy. Um, do you see a lot of issues with rehomed dogs? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that we say to people when they pick up a new rescue dog is just take some time to build a bond, take some time to make friends with the dog and to create that real nice, secure attachment and let the dog know that you're here to stay um, and there's no worries of them going back into kennels or anything like that. That's the most important thing. A lot of our new rescue dog owners are really keen to get crack on with training and get on with um, all the aspirations that they've got for their dog straight away but I would say the first thing first is just get to know the dog and make friends with them so that you can create that bond because the um, most common times that we see separation anxiety in in new rescue dogs is when they've been with their owners for like a week or so and the owners have just jumped straight into leaving the dog um, and not built up to it at all and really that that person is still a completely new person to the dog until you're kind of three six months down the line you don't really know the dog fully yet. So what I would say is take it slowly, put things into place, just like your um, crate training for your puppies. You can do exactly the same thing. Leave the door open and feed your new rescue dog in the crate. Give them one of the nice Becco bones, put that in there for them to have a little chew on. But just take it slow. That's the main thing. Don't rush anything um, and just make friends with the dog, first of all. Yeah, sounds lovely. So if we whether we've we've got a rescue dog and they they seem to be okay you know or whether it's a puppy and they we haven't got problems yet is there anything you know our dog seems okay what should we be avoiding doing to to stop you know to set them up for success um well the first thing i would um say about puppies don't leave them too quickly um Mm -hmm. start with little short intervals of leaving them um so don't build it up in massive steps to leaving them four hours straight away um i would make sure always that you're um giving them enough exercise obviously puppies rescue dogs it's all dependent on age and breed and size and um and all of that so that they're getting enough enrichment in the day um to be able to be okay left alone um in terms of lockdown um something that's going to be really important is maybe if you know you're going to be going back to work full time and currently you're um you're walking your dog lots and you're at home all the time don't leave it last minute start building it up now so it might mean that you have to um start planning when you're going to do those long walks if you're going back nine to five again um and it might mean that you deliberately take some trips out to start slowly building your dog up so i would say don't um don't leave it last minute at all and the most important thing of all is if you do see a problem don't ignore it um seek professional help it doesn't cost a lot to get a dog trainer or a behaviorist around even if it's just to give you a second opinion on something um and 
just keep an eye on the dog because they are really going to be used to this different lifestyle because none of us would have predicted that we would have been in this position last year no. <laughs> said, the whole country's going to lock down you're all going to be at home um everyone's going to be furloughed so um yeah don't rush it and don't leave it last minute that's the yeah. key point that i'd say i think Brian, in terms of the one of the things we found with Tarka is actually you know i sort of thought well a quiet house would be would be good for Tarka, and then actually she, she gets quite scared well not scared but anxious about noises outside so very windy a couple of weeks ago and the trees that that gets her sort of panting and and, and anxious and dpd drivers coming to the door every five minutes um uh, you know, yeah. it, it, it gets a very anxious and so we, we actually found having a, a radio on in the background or just sort of um some music um you know quite low volume but just enough just to have that sort of consistent noise and background noise comforted Definitely. her i think that's um something yeah that i wouldn't have thought about so you know to start with i'm like oh she wants a quiet house and you know she and that quite often doesn't like the kids you know being too noisy she'll take herself into another room but when we left it was actually you know that having a bit of background noise comforted her and, and i think that was quite something that was quite interesting mm. yeah definitely i i think um one thing that i love as well for mine sometimes is a good audio book I think they love listening to an audio book. <laughs> so yeah, either classical FM or something nice and relaxing like that. Or if you can find Harry an audio book, we can go on. <laughs> Harry Potter, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I haven't got... asked my dog which books they like most yet. But... <laughs> that's got frightening bits in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has. <laughs> Do something nice. Something... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, need, we need audio books for dogs with no frightening bits, where it's just, there was a nice family and, and a dog and they went yeah. for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are actually playlists on YouTube, aren't there, for um for dogs? I don't yeah. think there's audiobooks, but there's certainly uh like noises and you can even get um like white noise machines because I know some people have got dogs that um can get a little bit worried in the car by the out outside noises like you were saying about Taka. And you can get these little white noise machines. They're like old tape players and they just play mm. this kind of very low level blurry noise. It's a bit odd, but they seem yeah. to like it. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well we may have invented audio audio books for dogs this morning. So I mean that's yeah. that's a morning's work in itself. <laughs> Um, I, I'm, I've got one eye on the clock here. And um, is there anything else that we, we you haven't had a chance to say about separation and anxiety that you, you'd still want to say? Oh, um, I know it's a huge subject. <laughs> it is. It's a massive, massive subject. There are so many excellent dog trainers and behaviourists out there um, that it would be if you if you own a dog and um, you've got any kind of problem, then try and uh, contact your local trainer and and just check in with them um, because most people offer some really nice fun things that you can do with your dog at home um, related to separation anxiety or not there's loads of enrichment activities or tasks that you can teach your dog which just help mentally stimulate them and um, I know today the weather's been absolutely awful and and I probably won't go out for quite as long with my dogs as I normally would because I'm a little bit of a fair weather walker um, so those things that we can do inside that just stimulate the dogs mentally um, like teaching them tricks or little assistance tasks it doesn't have to be anything that you necessarily think are going to be super helpful for you but for the dog it's just enrichment and it's mental stimulation which again will help to tiring them out and just making them content I think that's one of the the main things with with my dogs and with our client dogs we want them to be content and happy um where they're living and so I would definitely say if you haven't already and you have got a dog 
do look up your local um, positive dog trainer and see what they've got to offer because um, separation anxiety or not, you might be able to find a really something really fun to do with your dog, which will help um, help them live a happy lifestyle. And, and I think one of the things I think, um, I mean, obviously boredom, you know, Brian is very well placed to talk about um, separation anxiety, me less so, but you know, what we found with our, you know, in designing, creating dog toys, um, you know, a lot of it comes from boredom. And and if you're sat at home with nothing to do all day, um, you're going to get anxious um, qu- quite quickly. And I guess also trying to, uh, Brian, would you say trying to take the dog for a walk before, before you go to work is a good time to, to give them, get, tire them out a bit and give them some fresh air and a chance to do their business um, rather than waiting to do the walk at the end of the day. I, I think that that would probably be some advice I'd give. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Now, you, you both spend your working lives, well, and lives, <laughs> trying to help dogs. Um, let's go to George first. Tell me about, uh, because you, you try and help the world as well as dogs. So tell me about Beco, George. So, yeah, well, Beco um, is a, a business essentially with one mission in mind, and, and that's really to create um, amazing pet pro- dog products and pet products but whilst doing as little harm to the environment as possible. Um, we, we launched back in 2010, 2009, and I remember our first um, dog show we went to, we, we started with a, a, a bamboo bowl, uh, so a bowl made from the offcuts of chopsticks. So wow. it's a natural material. Replacement to plastic will last like a normal bowl, but when you put it into landfill or compost, it's a natural material, so it will break down quicker. And um, I remember being at this show, and the lady said, oh, I love the look of your bowls, and... She picked them up and said, oh, yeah, I'll take two of these, please. And as she's walking off, I said, oh, it's, um, it's made from bamboo. It's as, you know, so it's more sustainable than a petroleum plastic bowl. And, and she said, well, why would I want an eco-friendly dog bowl? And sort of stormed off. And fast forward 10 years, and of course, the climate has changed completely. Um, so, you know, excuse the pun, but it is people's awareness of um, the, the climate change and, uh, you know, the fact that we're doing a lot of harm to the environment is huge. I mean, we call it pre-Attenborough and post-Attenborough yes, 2017. Yes. I don't know whether you watch Blue Planet, but we saw a massive shift in demand for our products and 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 it's great to see. And it's great to see so many other companies that are starting to take it seriously. But basically, yeah, our, our t- tagline is love your dog, love our planet. And so whether it's compostable poop bags made from cornstarch um, that you can compost at home um, or um, our dog food that, uh, for example, our Cotton Haddock MSC certified um, dog food. So we don't use um, farm salmon. We use wild fish, but we use fish that we know is, is caught sustainably. So the Marine Stewardship Council is an organisation that um, effectively uh, certifies whether the fish it is a sustainable fishery. So the numbers of the fish, how they're caught, you know, they're lying caught rather than than um, uh, trawler caught um and and so we've really just changed the way we look at pet food and 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 not just go for high meat or natural but really focus on the quality of the 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 ingredients whether it's free-range chicken or msc fish and also where those ingredients have come from and i think that's resonating with the with pet owners and pet parents across the world um partly because they're doing the same for themselves you know when they go to the supermarket they want to know where their chickens come from or their their vegetables have come from and i i think you know our, our take was well if if you, you're buying like that for your for yourself why why shouldn't you do that for your for your dog um yeah. and uh yeah i'm pleased to say um 
we're yeah we are we're busy um and and we've kind of the pandemic hasn't really um affected us hugely and uh, as we've talked about um partly because i think people are spending more time with their dogs um and therefore are, are making conscious decisions that benefit the dog which is great yeah yeah absolutely where can people find out more about you online george um so we've got a website um uh, bcopets.com um so so you can find our products and bioproducts there or always stock um independent pet retailers and uh, major retailers like pets at home um and um waitrose across the country um so yeah if you go to our site we've got a stockist map to find your local retailer Excellent. Thank you very much. I, I like that attitude of, you know, look after our dogs, but look after the world as well, because I think that obviously without a, a world, they're a bit stuck to go for a walk. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's important. And we're always being told they're not a, a green pet tab, but so we, we need to make them as, as green as we can can be. And, yeah, we can. Absolutely. And, and I think the thing is, is actually dog owners, by the very nature of spending a lot of time outside, are quite interested in looking after the environment which so so we're sort of you know um look after the environment you love exploring with your dog and and i think that that's um kind of what we're all about yeah yeah that's a lovely way to put it um bryony you you work with dogs as well so tell me about eye to eye dogs um so we are based in clevedon in somerset um just mm. on the coastline which is really nice um and we deal with everything from puppies to adult dogs uh, we do we train dogs for sports and different types of activities like that and just for generic pet homes um we also do a lot of tv and film work which is quite interesting that sort of brightens our day up a bit um and we yeah we, we we've just got a whole variety we see thousands of dogs each year we see dogs for behavioral problems we see puppies new rescue dogs um everything you can think of really and um we've got i've got a wonderful group of trainers that work for me and we're ever so lucky to work with companies like becco because i really think it is important that we're um looking after environment and looking after the dogs and being more conscious about what we're feeding them and um what we're buying for them and all that kind of stuff so we are kind of able to influence owners in that way because they come to us uh for advice which is really nice but yeah we've been established about um six years now uh we have a dog training uh barn in uh just just outside my back garden actually which is dead handy Um, and we've got a few fenced fields and stuff to do our training in as well so we're really really lucky to have nice facilities out in the countryside as well um and yeah we see a, a real variety of dogs um all our training is based on positive reinforcement and motivational um so yeah we we run a nice little team out here and we see loads of lovely dogs and owners and um yeah, it's, it's been really nice to get back to work after a little break. <laughs> yeah. Excellent, excellent. And, and what, sorry, what's, sorry what's I, was your... gonna say, I was just going to say, Julia, you know, just to say that we work quite closely with, with a lot of dog trainers and Bryony's one of um, one of the ones we work very closely with and you know, haven't been in the industry for a long time and um, seen a lot of dogs and seen a lot of dog owners, a lot of dog trainers. Is that It's amazing the work they do. And, um, you know, we we try and work as closely with them as possible because we see, you know, the benefits and I just highly, uh, you know, can't recommend more people that if they've got dogs that are struggling with behavioral issues or anxiety or training issues, you know, go and speak to a professional like Bryony because 
um, you know, it makes all the difference and it'll improve your relationship with the dog massively. So, um, yeah, yeah, can't recommend it more. Yeah. And, and don't leave it till it's a desperate problem. Go and do it. You know, as you say, get in contact when it's, when you think, you know, I think we've got a problem with this, go and get the help then. It's better for you, better for the dog. Yeah, we, yeah, like we do all kinds of like extracurricular stuff that people just wouldn't have thought of because a, a lot of the time we get people coming to us when they've got a problem already, like we were saying previously. But actually, there's loads of stuff that you can do that you may not have thought of before um, with your dogs, just extra activities and games that we play and we run um, trip classes and things like that, which are just really fun. So sometimes it's just about exploring what you can do with your dog because they're all super smart. They're all intelligent and it is never too old to teach a dog uh, new tricks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, you're saying all the right things, both of you. <laughs> it's, it's been great to talk to you. We didn't, we, we haven't got time now to talk about your dogs because we were going to talk about your dogs as well. I know you've both got, you both live with beautiful dogs. Um, so give them a fuss from me. And it's been really wonderful to talk to you both. And thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Um, great chatting to both you and, and Brani. Have, have a great day. Thanks, and you. There was a lot of great information and advice there. I hope that helps you set your dog up for success and inspires you to be an environmentally friendly dog owner. Thanks to George and Bryony for their time and expertise. And we have the link to becopets.com and to i2idogs.com. That's I, the numeral 2, i, dogs.com, on the Dogcast Radio site. There is help out there for separation anxiety. We have several shows which feature it, but for your dog's sake, do seek personalised professional help. Puppies reach 50% of their eventual body weight by the time they're four to five months old. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. And now it's time for the Dogcast Radio News. In Yukon, Canada, a perfectly preserved wolf pup was recently discovered during mining excavations. Despite having been in the permafrost for 57,000 years, the pup has given researchers information about her age, lifestyle and relationship to modern wolves. Locals named her Zur, and the ice has protected her so well that the only thing missing is her eyes. Estimated to be around seven weeks old at the time of her death, Zur had apparently been eating a lot of salmon. Analysis of her genome reveals she is descended from ancient Russian, Siberian and Alaskan wolves, who are also the ancestors of modern wolves. But the reason why little Zur was the only inhabitant of her den when it collapsed, trapping her and immortalising her, remains a mystery. More modern news now, but staying with the frozen theme. If you enjoy Ben and Jerry's ice cream, you can now share that experience with your dog because the firm is bringing out two new flavours, especially for our four-legged friends. The new doggy desserts are in Ponch's Mix, which contains peanut butter and pretzel swirls, and Rosie's Batch, which has pumpkin and mini cookies in it. The company is dog-friendly, with their Vermont headquarters seeing up to 40 canines curled up under their owner's desk. Pet food experts have been involved in the doggy treats, ensuring they are genuinely dog safe, and the advice is to introduce them to your dog slowly, offering only one scoop initially. At first, they will only be available in the USA, but hopefully the rest of us won't have to wait too long. During the COVID pandemic, we all know it's best to wear a mask, but that advice is for humans, not for dogs. 
So it's alarming to hear that companies selling pet masks have seen sales increase astoundingly during the pandemic. But it's a very bad idea to put a mask on your dog. And if you don't believe us, the American Veterinary Medical Association, AVMA, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, and the UK vet charity, PDSA, strongly advise against it too. Masks covering their noses can distress a dog and make it difficult for them to breathe. And in fact, it's best to keep your mask away from your dog, because one poor cocker spaniel had to have surgery to remove a mask from his intestines after he'd swallowed it. The simplest way to keep your dog safe may be plain old social distancing. Keep your dog away from others and stay away from their dogs too. Which words does your dog recognise? Presumably sit. Down. Stay. Dinner. Onbuy.com conducted a three-month study during which a group of dogs wore heart rate monitors and their owners recorded which words got the biggest reactions. Average resting heart rate was 115 beats per minute. But certain phrases quickened those pooch pulses. Calling their name sent the average heartbeat up to 128. What's that caused 135 BPM? Find it resulted in 124 BPM. Good boy or girl set off 139 BPM. Fetch saw an increase to 147 BPM. Get your toy triggered 144 BPM. Get it sparked 150 BPM. Treat time prompted 151 BPM. Dinner produced 152 BPM. But the biggest reaction was to... Walkies, which got a whopping 156 BPM. Yep, I bet pretty much every dog knows walkies, but how many dogs can talk? Well, Bunny the Sheepadoodle is the toast of TikTok due to her talking. Bunny, from Washington, USA, talks by pressing on buttons which say words including play, now, outside, yesterday and poop. Bunny's owner, Alexis Devine, says they started by putting the button which says outside by the back door and within a few weeks Bunny was reliably pushing the button when she wanted to go outside. Alexis added further buttons to Bunny's vocabulary and was amazed how her dog actually used them to communicate, for example telling her owner she had an ouch in her paw which on examination proved to be a foxtail which Alexis removed for her. At this point, Bunny has a repertoire of 70 words and can combine four or five together. Scientists from the University of California, San Diego, are now studying Bunny along with other pets and are looking for more pet owners to sign up to the research via the theycantalk.org website, which we have a link to on the Dogcast Radio site. Already, dogs have been observed using their buttons to tell their owners to settle, for example, when they've become agitated watching sport or a news item. And we finish with a hair-raising story which might give any dogs listening nightmares. Kim Darby, from Staffs in the UK, dyed her multipoo Dexter's ears for Christmas. She spent a long time making sure the dye was safe for Dexter and ended up splashing out £25, that's around $34, on dye which was vegan and made from natural ingredients. But she didn't spot that the dye was permanent, which meant it wasn't just for Christmas, it was for life. Or at least a very long time, because the groomer has since advised Kim that it may take a year for the dye to completely grow out. Oh my goodness, that is hair-raising. Thank goodness that's all we have time for. I need a rest to get over that. See you next time. Dogs can scent while they're breathing, because their noses are designed to retain smells while air moves through and into the lungs. Life can be a bit tough, can't it? 
and I do my best to, most of the time, make Dogcast Radio a little oasis of doggy-flavoured happiness. The subject of a dog hospice may not promise to hold much joy, but Monkey's House is a hospice where dogs go to live. It was founded and is run by Jeff and Michelle Allen, who are helped by a team of volunteers. Here's Jeff to tell you more. So, so Monkey's House is a dog hospice. So mm-hmm. we're very unique. Um, probably one of the few true dog hospices in around the world, right? Yes. There's very few of us. Um, most there's a lot of dogs uh, sanctuaries. We're a dog hospice and sanctuary, but we really take in just the hospice dogs, mm-hmm. and these are the dogs that are going to be destroyed in shelters because they have terminal dis- mm-hmm. diagnosis, um, and they come here to live out the the final life. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, we have a six-acre farm. It's in our home, so we want it to be a home environment. And within that home environment, they have basically free run of the house. We have generally about 25 dogs at the wow. house. Yeah. Uh, all sizes, all shapes, all breeds, mixes, um, as long as they're dog-friendly and cat-friendly, because we actually have a couple of cats that are <laughs> our own rescues. Yeah. Right? Um, so, you know, and then we also have a lot of volunteers. Now, we call the volunteers aunts and uncles. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, Michelle, my wife, who's, who's my partner, um, she really came up with that term because she said, if you're going to be here, you know, supporting these dogs that need extra support in their, you know, in their final chapter, that you need to be more than just a volunteer. You need to be like a family member. Yeah. So she came up with the term aunts and uncles. So we have a lot of aunts and uncles that will come on a daily basis now, because of COVID-19, we've had social distancing, so it's been <laughs> kind of Michelle and I really taking care of everybody. Yeah, um, but we're still getting by. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, so that's, that's Monkey's House. Uh, you yeah. know, it's, it's a great place. It's, you know, a lot of people are, are hesitant to even come. Like some, yeah. of the, some of the aunt's husbands are like, oh, I don't want to go because it's going to be too sad. We've had one of our aunts said, you know, it's, it's the happiest place on, on earth. She said, move over to Disney. Because oh. It really is. Yeah. You know, we are, we have very, very sad times, but 95 plus percent of the time it's extremely happy. Yes. Yeah. It's got to be, hasn't it? Cause you've got to make it as lovely as you can for those dogs. And I mean, I, I can remember to, to when buddy, I had a black Labrador that lived to 15 and a half and he had, he had sort of, I don't know, 15, wonderful and then you know gently gently tailing down at the end but then he had a half he had six months of just pottering around but he was happy his tail was wagging you know and he and, and it was it was if I'd felt he wasn't happy that would have been different but he was he was happy it was a wonderful time for him he was just pottering around and you know he wasn't hankering for other times he was just I'm, I'm this is a good time now I'm fed I'm watered I've got my people you know I've got the garden I can potter and that was it and we made sure that he got to choose what he wanted to do, you know, as much as we could. And that's, that I guess is, is got to be what you do, hasn't it? You've just got to make it as wonderful as you can for those dogs. We certainly do. And it's amazing that you say that it's, you know, dogs live in the moment, right? If, if, if we, if if you or I were diagnosed with a terminal disease, heaven forbid, um, you know, we'd probably be moping around. We would be very disappointed. You know, we'd be upset about it. We yeah. wouldn't be we wouldn't be living that remaining time that we have left, but these dogs aren't that way, right? They yes. live every day. They live for the moment, and that's what we try to do at Monkey's House. We make sure that those moments are special for them. They could be, like you said, it could be a, a very 
minor thing where you take them out when the sun's out and the sun's you know on their face and they're enjoying that. Or it could be we we have a we have a, a converted senior citizen bus. Now it's a senior dog bus. <laughs> I love we, we we pile all the guys in the bus and we'll go to the uh, the ocean. We'll go to the beach. Oh. And we take walks on the beach or we go to, we live near the state forest. So we'll go to the state forest and there's all the aunts and uncles join us. And the ones that can't walk are in strollers. You know, oh, we have blind dogs, we have deaf dogs. That's fine because now there's they're, they're, the sense that they can smell or they can feel the pine needles under their feet, like things like that. We make every moment special for them that we can. Yeah. Yeah. I always think the whole of a dog's life is about, making memories you know every day is precious they don't have as long as as we do and every day make it as special as you can but particularly as that time you know as the clock is ticking you become aware of it and you know that time is against you and it's it's ticking um it becomes even more precious and you you're so much more aware so i mean you guys must be even more than that with so many dogs to look after and it's lovely that you i love the fact that it's a home environment because that's what they've been used to and that's what they should have and that's that's beautiful that you managed to do that it's obviously a wonderful place and you've written a book to tell to share your stories with people um where dogs go to live and i love that not where dogs go to die where dogs go to live i love that inspiring stories of hospice dogs living in the moment lovely you you've talked about some of that already but tell tell me about sort of how, what what inspired you to actually obviously you have a lot of stories to tell what inspired you to write a book so i think i think that's it we have a lot of stories yeah. to tell right and the thing is we want to we want to tell people um like i was talking to you earlier we want to let people know and and let you know that look these dogs like i said the dogs that we take in we don't take them in from individuals like we'll help individuals you know, hook them up with other organizations that maybe even have funds to help them with a sick dog. We take the dogs from shelters or other rescues, and these dogs are going to be destroyed because of their poor, their bad health, right? They have terminal yeah. diagnosis. Um, but, uh, you know, what we do is you know, we want to make sure that they have the, the best final chapter. We like to say yes. that. And we, here's the funny thing is five years ago, we started Monkey's House in 2015. And we started Monkey's House. My wife used to be a registered nurse. Um, she's retired. And so she's an excellent with these dogs. She's yes. learned so much about the dogs and nutrition. So we post every night. We create, she created a Facebook page. Yeah. Um, and we post every night. She's really good at posting uh, and also educating. She's a big educator. And she'll talk about nutrition. She'll talk about these different health issues. Uh, you know, if, if a dog is having kidney issues, she'll, she'll talk about that and what she's did. When I post, I'm, I'm not quite as knowledgeable in the, in the, uh, the medical side. So yeah. I, I kind of just kind of give general or I'm, I'm, I try to put a lighter, lighter side onto it. Yeah. Right? So it's a lot of fun. And people started, we didn't realize this, but we now have like close to 70,000 followers on, yes, on, on social media. Yeah. We didn't think that this was going to be a platform for people to come out and to talk about their dog that passed, right? And yeah. get other support from people or learn. So that wasn't something that we thought of. We thought, okay, we're going to save all these hospice dogs, right? We're going to do the best we can. But we found something from this, um, f- from social media and communicating this out. Yeah. And people kept saying, oh, you have to write a book. You have to write a book. So over two years ago, I started writing a book. Hmm. Um, I started putting stories together. And I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want to tell somebody who's going to wait two years to, to read a book, right? They're <laughs> going to say, hey, where's this book at? <laughs> so I started a couple of years ago and um, it just kept going. You know, there was a couple of small breaks. Uh, and then 
but it, and it was come as I was writing it, you know, I would reread my stories and reread my stories and rewrite them. And uh, I was thinking, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, even, you know, if you've written a book or if anybody's written a book, you've gone over it many, many times. Yes. You would think that you would kind of sort of become numb to the emotions of the stories. I still, to this day, get emotional and it could be a different story on a different day. Yes. I guess it's whatever I'm feeling. So I was talking about this dog today or another dog another day. Um, so that's kind of how I got started. Really, it's just a combination of, of things, I guess. And I'm so glad that I was able to do this because the more people that we can make aware of, you know, mostly senior dogs, but it doesn't have to be a senior dog. We've had some, some dogs that were not seniors mm. that have a terminal diagnosis does not mean the end. Michelle, one of my favorite quotes that Michelle said is, just because you're dying doesn't mean you can't live. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good. I think that's got to be the, the attitude. It isn't over till it's over, is it? So, you know, what time you've got, live it to the best of your ability. That's that's what it's all about. It's it's wonderful. And I love the fact that for you, it's personal. You 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 feel for these dogs. You know, it's not just a, a duty or a responsibility or, you know, a chore. You feel for these dogs. This is coming from the heart, isn't it? And it's been inspired, I understand, by your own experiences with your dog, Monkey. So tell me about Monkey. So Monkey was a, just a little Heinz 57, right? He's mm. a little mixed guy, um, kind of, you know, funky looking. He had, he had really bad dental and we, we actually had to get his, his teeth fixed. So all he had was his two, two bottom canines kind of stuff. Oh, so, yeah. But he was cute as can be. And uh, we got Monkey. We, at the time we were fostering dogs. We had some dogs of our own and we were fostering dogs and we adopted and we started really going after the senior dogs or dogs that had med- medical issues. And all the shelters by this time started reaching out to Michelle because they knew Michelle knew what she was doing. A lot of, a lot of fosters couldn't take care of these dogs. So they'd reach mm-hmm. out to us and they said, Oh, we have this little dog and he's got a really bad, bad heart condition. He's got CHF, a chronic heart failure. Um, and so we took him in and Michelle says, okay, we need to get him to, a cardiologist to, to just get some meds. And these meds would have been very inexpensive meds to get. Well, when she talked to the shelter vet, he was like, well, you know, he's a little shelter dog. He's going to pass in three weeks, four weeks, just take him home, you know, keep him comfortable and, and let him pass. Hmm. You can't say that to Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Good for> her. <laughs> right. You can't say that to her. So she's like, no way. So she took him. Uh, she actually, we actually adopted him. Uh, we took him to our vet. We took him to a cardiologist. Uh, he got the right meds he needed. Um, he, you know, beforehand, like I said, he had a dental, but we couldn't even do the dental until he got the right meds in him and, and yeah. tried to get his heart a little bit under control. We knew that he was terminal. We knew he wasn't going to live forever, but it, we we felt it was our duty to take care of him the best we could. Mm-hmm. He was, like I said, he was able to get the dental. He lived 17 wonderful months with yeah. us. Yeah. And, and that's a lot for a dog, isn't it? That's a, that's a lot for a, a hospice dog. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he was so joyful. He loved all the other dogs. You have to be careful if you were a person because he tried to bite you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same with some people, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then, and Michelle, Michelle and I kept talking through the, this is even before I was thinking, you know, someday maybe we'll have to have a, have a, a rescue of some type, right? We'll mm. have to do something. And you know, when we had nine dogs at the time, I was telling you, a lot of them were foster dogs. A lot of them were adopted, and they all had medical 
issues, we were spending a lot of money, yeah. right? Okay. A lot of money for vet bills and, and other things. And it came to the point where Michelle and I said, if we want to help more dogs after a monkey passed, we even, actually, I think right before he passed, we're saying, if we want to help more dogs, we're going to have to start a nonprofit. And that's what we did. We started when monkey passed. Yeah. Um, I think it was a couple of weeks later, Michelle shot me an email. I was at work and she said, okay, I started this Facebook page, monkey's house, you know, a dog hospice and sanctuary um, for, for you. She said she started from me actually. In a sense. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that way we can help more dogs. We've yeah. saved over uh, well over a hundred dogs now. Wow. Um, that's wonderful. And um, you know, and it's, and it's, very unique the way we do it. We, I say we have a hundred percent success rate. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's great because that's, that's absolutely right. You take them in, they're happy. That's success, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Oh, lovely. That's lovely. So difficult question now. Tell me about a typical day at Monkey's House. Now you may say there's not a typical day. It's, it's sort of, it's all, they're all different. They're all different dogs. And, and, you know, but if that's too difficult, tell me about yesterday or tell, tell me about a day that sticks in your mind, but give me a picture, you know, describe Monkey's House. What's it like it, just a day there? So a typical, I'll give you a typical day and okay. then I'll give you, then I'll give you our Wednesdays because Wednesdays is a very unique day, which okay, was yesterday, great. right? Yeah. So a typical day is, yeah, we wake up and yeah, we have to go, we go downstairs. Now in our house, we have no carpet. There's yeah, many yeah. reasons, right? <laughs> no carpet at all. Because, um, and these, like I said, these dogs are not in kennels. They're not in crates. They are in our house. Now we do have, we converted our garage and we have a couple of rooms on the other side of the garage. Mm-hmm. So there are some different dogs in different areas. Um, the, the vast majority are in our home with us, mm-hmm. but we have a place called the cottage, which is, it always reminds me of this. Uh, I think of this English home, like where, where yes. you guys live. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's got a white picket fence around it. So they have their own little front yard. Oh. And these are the dogs that, um, you know, it's, dogs are like people in a sense, right? Some dogs don't get along with 20 other dogs milling yes. around. Um, so those dogs are in the cottage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's usually a couple of big dogs in there. or And there's some other, do- a few dogs that are in this converted garage too as well. Um, mm-hmm. Because again, they're, they're, they really don't like other dogs too much. Now we only supposedly take in dogs that are, dog friendly, cat friendly. But you know what? Sometimes when you get them, you don't know the yeah. situation you're getting. Now, yeah. I don't think any of them are, ours are, are, are vicious at all. They're, mm. they're very friendly, but sometimes they just don't get along with us. So, so we got to separate them a little bit. Yeah. Um, so wake up in the morning, clean up any messes that we have, <laughs> get them out. You know, we have a nice fenced in backyard or we take a few for a short walk and then the feeding begins. Um, now the feeding is is big at our place. Um, it's actually we we call it food therapy. So we yeah. feed either fresh, uh, home, which means it's either home cooked or raw food. Mm-hmm. Um, we use different supplements. They um, get vitamins. They get different oils. Sometimes they get coconut oil, or they'll get you know fish oils. It mm-hmm. really all depends because each dog has its own tailored meal for yeah. what their health condition is. Um, and then they'll they'll eat breakfast. They'll all get walks. Some of the bigger dogs that can walk farther, maybe we'll take a mile walk. Wow. Um, yeah. Some of the other ones, there's, you know, shorter walks. Mm. And then some, we have a dog right now, a uh, little, little white Maltese mix. We call her a scrunchie. And scrunchie, um, she has uh, no back legs. Uh, wow. So, yeah, she was, uh, she was uh, a bad hoarding case that we got. Yeah. Um, and 
she was so bad that her one leg was broken, uh, back leg was broken, and no one, the, the owner did not get it fixed. And oh. it was so painful, she chewed her leg off. You oh, can imagine that. Bless her, yes. So, but she's a sweetheart now. She loves it here. She has her own little cart. So as we put her in the cart, she'll walk along with all the other dogs. And, and uh, so, you know, yeah. all the different type of walks that we do. Oh, uh, and then, so then after that, they come back to the house and they're all over the place. They're in different beds, <laughs> different little chairs. Uh, that's when it's kind of like nap time. Uh, and then the same thing goes again at dinner time, right? So we all get ready again. They all get excited around our five o'clock, they start getting, you know, boisterous. Um, and the feeding takes us at least a, an hour and a half to two hours each wow. feed. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> you don't get much spare time, do you? <laughs> no. 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 But the, uh, the the Wednesday that I was going to tell you about that yeah. is very special. Uh, so Michelle gets up early on Wednesday. Same process. Everybody gets fed. But then there's a – we have a standing appointment at uh, a vet – PT office, physical therapy office. Um, there's usually a dozen to 15 dogs that hop into the senior citizen bus, oh. which is, has a cute name called Wagon One, much <laughs> like Air Force One. Yes. It's the Wagon One. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and uh, they all go to uh, this pet PT. Uh, some have vet appointments, but a lot of them uh, have the uh, physical therapy. Um, yeah. Like I said, dogs that have, are very arthritic, they get the underwater treadmill, there's also yeah. cold laser therapy that they get, which helps with the pain and, and uh, gets the blood flowing in certain areas that need it. Uh, mm. And, um, and sometimes they'll get acupuncture. So we, you know, we do traditional medicine and we also do non-traditional care. Yeah. Uh, we feel that the combination is very beneficial for our dogs. Yeah. Yeah. As you say, it has to be individual for every single dog, doesn't it? It's, it's going to be a different mix of the food, the, the amount of exercise, the, the therapy they get to give them the best quality of life, isn't it? Yeah. And it's even, it's even Michelle will take, uh, we've had a, we had a big, uh, lab, uh, her name was LA. She was a lab pit mix mm. and she, and she really couldn't, she was the creakiest old dog you ever saw and she really couldn't walk well at all. Yeah, she would get into the water treadmill, and actually, one of the assistants, the tech assistants, would skip behind her and help move her legs. Yeah, right, her back legs, so that she, it, she felt like she was normal again. Oh. So it's it's not only the physical, but it's the emotional yes. aspect of these dogs that we try to we try to make better. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, I, I'm loving everything you're telling me. Now, Michelle has been recognized, hasn't she? She was a, a 2017 CNN hero and, Mon- and, and Monkey's House was named Rescue of the Year in 2017 by World Dog Expo. So tell me about that. So that was, uh, that was quite the experience. Um, yeah, CNN, they, I guess they pick about two dozen people from around the world each year. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally, they're nonprofits doing good things. Yeah. Um, and Michelle was was nominated by somebody, and I think there's like ten thousand people get nominated or more. And Michelle uh-huh. was selected, so yeah. they came out for two days and, and filmed everything that was going on here. And so it was it was quite exciting, and it was actually very good for Monkey's House because it did booster our our, our Facebook followers. Uh, and of course we're all, we're run by donations. So yes. it also helped on a donation basis. Um, she truly is the, uh, the hero of monkey's house, you know, with these pups. Uh, she, like I said, when a new dog is, is going to come in before they even get here, she's going through the records 
you know, she'll be talking to vets. She'll be setting up appointments because when they come here, then they have to see the vet. She'll be tailoring the, the, like I said, the meals are tailored. She'll be working on all that to make sure that as soon as that dog comes, they're getting the right treatments that they need. You know, we, there's not a lot of time. They're hospice dogs. We want to make sure that we can get them, uh, you know, the quality. We we don't look at quantity. We look at quality and we try to build that up as fast as possible. So they have some good quality time. Now the factor is quality, the quantity comes with that. We've had dogs, like I said, monkey was an example. He came here, he was supposed to be here less than a month. He was with us 17 months. We've had dogs that come here that they were supposed to be living a month or two. Uh, Buck, which was a, a, he was Michelle's, he he loved Michelle. The little Buck, another little dog, he was here for four years. Wow. And he had, you couldn't imagine all the things he had wrong with him. But, but for, you know, if you saw him, you would think, oh, there's nothing wrong with this little dog. Yeah, he was blind and deaf. And, but that's, we, we try to make their lives the best that they can be. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's another important message from you that sort of people look at dogs with a disability. They're blind, they're deaf, whatever. And think, oh, oh, no. They can have wonderful lives, can't they? And also the dog you mentioned with the cart. Now, I've, I have been told by some people, but it depends on the dog. And I take that on board. It depends on the dog. Maybe some dogs would not adapt. But I have seen dogs living, you know, uproariously joyful lives because of the cart. And we went to see one dog that when he got going in the cart, the other dogs he lived with just sort of balled up into, you know, into a ball like, oh, okay. And then he ran and then they carried on. But he, you know, he made, they made no um, concessions to his being in a cart and he made no concessions to being in a cart. And that's, it's still lovely for them, isn't it? It, it certainly is. And I, it's, it, you, you mentioned the book. So in one of my chapters in the book, the, I, talk about, I talked about Ariel already, or, or we call her Scrunchy, the one in the car. Yes, but yes. we also had a, a big German shepherd uh, named Dozer. Yeah. And he came here. He, was, he wasn't a senior senior, but he was you know, middle, middle-aged. Um, but he had DM, which is de- uh, degenerative myelopathy, yeah. which is um, like ALS, like the Lou Gehrig's disease, right? Yeah. Um, it's very similar to that. It's not exactly the same. So he was, he had, we thought he had use, we were told he had use of his front legs um, and he was 70 pounds. He was 90 pounds wow. and he did not have really use of his front legs. So he really didn't have use of anything. Um, and so Michelle's like, Oh my God, what are we going to do with this dog? Like we have tons of beds. We have all kinds of things. Well, we had a new accessory in the living room now or family room, uh, it was a landscape cart. It was a big metal landscape cart cause there was no, nothing else to do. So we, he, we put, we, she actually even got a, uh, uh, inflatable type mattress, like a, like you'd have in a hospital bed. So you wouldn't get yeah. bed sores. She orders a customized mattress for him. Um, he was on that and we had a smaller cart. We'd pull up, I'd put him on and then we'd take walks all the time. And this dog, he loved life. I'm telling you, he, he, you know, he was loving life and I would walk him up and down the road every day or the volunteers, the ants would walk him up and down. He would get his baths. We made sure that he, he got special baths. We have a micro bubble treatment that helps with the skin. Um, he got that work done. And he he was only with us for three months, but those three months were wonderful for him yeah. and, and for everybody. And it was funny; our Facebook followers fell in love with him. Mm. I bet. Oh, it, it's it's lovely. It's wonderful. now I have to sort of address this as I, I've thought of this as we've been talking. But 
So the dogs come to you, they live as wonderfully as they can. Then I guess sometimes you have to make a tough decision because it's not just about, as you said, it's, it's quality. It's not just the quantity. Let not, it's not just let's make this dog live as long as we can for us to, to, you know, we've done a, a great thing. It's got to be for the dogs, hasn't it? It, it definitely is for the dogs. This is it, everything here is about the dogs. It's not about us. Yeah. Right. Um, and Michelle, somehow Michelle has, has a sixth sense that she knows, you know, and, and I mean, I'm not just the sense. I mean, there's other things. Oh yeah. 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 But yeah. she, she really does know when the time comes. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a few, re- there's a few reasons that we will assist a dog to the rainbow bridge. Right. One is we can't control the pain anymore because we yeah. don't want a dog in pain. Right. Yeah. There's many things that we can do that can control pain, but we don't, that's, that's a given. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is if they can't breathe, if they're having breathing problems again, and if we can't control that, we have, we have almost anything you, you can imagine here, right? We have a, a, a oxygen, oxygenator that will generate oxygen for dogs. Sometimes yeah. if it's a small dog, we, we, at one time we, we threw them into a crate and wrapped it with saran wrap around. So it was like, a, a and, and it worked, you know, yeah. so yeah. there's things like that we can do. So there's those two things. And the third thing is if the dog is having seizures, but like uncontrollable and multiple seizures, right? Yeah. If it, you know, we've had dogs that have seizures a lot, like, you know, sometimes almost every day, but just one. But if you have a dog that's having uncontrollable seizures on and on, those are the three main reasons that we would assist a dog to the Rainbow Bridge. Yeah. Um, and like I said, Michelle is very good. Let me tell you a story. When we first started, we had a dog named Daisy May. And mm. Daisy May was a, was a dog that um, she, you ever see those dogs that have like the ram's horns that come around, like they weren't taking care of that bad. Yeah. She had yeah. no hair. She was a little chihuahua. Yeah. And she had a huge hernia and some of her internal organs were in that hernia, basically on the outside of her body. Right? Wow. And she was, this is before we really got organized and she was in the garage. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, this dog should be assisted to the rainbow bridge. Right. And Michelle kept telling me, she goes, no, Give her, give her some time. Give her some time, right? Mm-hmm. Two years, we got all that fixed. She, we joked. She was reconditioned. She went to the vets. <laughs> Dr. Judy Morgan did the surgery on her. She's an excellent, excellent veterinarian. And she lived over two years. Loved life. Wow. Um, so I think there's that point where you also have to look at the dog and, and give it an opportunity, just like, yes. you know, to, to turn the corner. Yes. Right? So it, it is. It is. It's not easy to, deter, it's not easy to determine no. when that time is. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily Michelle is very gifted in that sense is to know when to give them time and when it is their time to assist them. Yeah. Um, you know, and at times we've had quite a few dogs that have passed on their own as well. Mm-hmm. As long as you get, as long as there's three things I said, as long as they're not in pain, yeah. they're breathing and you can keep them comfortable. Now that's a ton of work for you because yeah. you're going to have to change the bed and you're going to have to help them outside. You're going to have to rotate them more. You're going to have to get and make sure they have fluids and, yeah. and those type of things. But it's very rewarding. It's very peaceful actually when they go on their own. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very difficult time and it's a very difficult decision to make. And I, I thought as well, I had to make the decision, decision for buddy and done. I'm trying to keep it together now, <laughs> but I thought I would know what was, what reason I was thinking for him and what reason I was thinking for me, you know, where the motivation was coming from. And it was so difficult to sort that out because obviously I wanted to keep him, but I wanted him to be happy, but then you want to make the decision at the right time. And it's such a personal decision. You know, I've had, 
I've had people say to me, if you wait until you're sure, you've waited too long. And then, but for me, I had to be sure. And, you know, when I knew, okay, what happened was we, it was a, a Friday and we made the appointment for the Monday. On the Saturday, I knew, okay, you've, you've just told me it's time. Um, from, from the looking, I offered him cheese and he said, no, I don't mean he said no, you know, you know what I mean? His body language yeah. said to me, no. Um, and so we, we decided and we ended up going on the Saturday. But it's, it's just so complicated. It's way more complicated than you, you anticipate. It is a horrible time. So, I mean, my hat is off to you and Michelle because it, it, that's wonderful. You have a lot of joy with these dogs, but my goodness, you have tough decisions to make. It's, it's I mean... It's, it, it's heartbreaking. It's yes. heartbreaking at times. It really is. Matter yeah. of fact, Mich- Michelle, Michelle was on um, the Hallmark Channel, had flew her out to California. Actually, this, is, yeah. this was in 2000, beginning of 2018. And um, she was on the program and she was like a natural on that program. It was funny. But they, the one person asked her, it says, you know, does your heart break every time, you know, one of these dogs passes? And Michelle said it perfectly. She says, she says, oh God, yes. Right. She says, the day it doesn't break anymore is the day I stop doing this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, right? yeah, that's perfect. Uh, because that's it. That's, you're in there to care for these dogs, to give them that love. And if, as you say, if it doesn't break your heart, it, you can't have been giving them that love. And uh, that's, that's just perfect. As you say, that's, that's absolutely spot on. Um, is there anything that we, I mean, there must be so much more. And obviously people can read the, the other stories in the book. But is there anything else that we haven't had time to say today that you really want people to know? So I would, so I would say this, like, like I said, if, you know, yes, our job is to take care of the dogs that come here. But our, we also feel, especially Michelle feels that, education is key right yeah and what we were just talking about like when when to know when to assist your dog or not or just not you're not ready yet get in touch with your veterinarian you, you know you should you yeah. should have a great working relationship with yes your vet. yeah um, absolutely. if you don't have a good working relationship with your vet maybe you should find another vet um we like to say and even i say i, I talk about this in the book is you know, if you, we actually have a, ch- I have a, a chapter called sofa medicine, right? Mm-hmm. And what we talk about sofa medicine, there's a lot of things you can do at home for your dog. So if you have a senior dog, or if you have a dog that's starting to have troubles, you know, you can give, I do a lot of the things now, like I've learned a lot and, and it's not hard. It's different, right? Yes. Um, it's giving, you know, uh, sub-Q fluids, right? Giving fluids oh. to a dog that needs fluids that maybe they have kidney problems or they just may be dehydrated. You have to do those things. Yeah. There's giving oxygen. Like I said, I talked about that before. You can have you can have oxygen. You can give oxygen to your dog. There's different things that you can do at home mm-hmm. um, that is going to make your dog more comfortable. It's in a, it's in a familiar surrounding, um, all those things. And to that, if, you know, when it comes to that time again is, is to make that decision, you know, know all your options up front. We, I have a couple of stories in the book that, that are really sad stories because we've had a couple of people reach out to us and say, one person was a new dog owner and they had a dog for a while and they took it to the vet, you know, to, cause it, they needed to have the dog um, assisted to, to the bridge and they left. They, they took the dog there and they left. Like they didn't realize that they could be in the back with the dog. Yeah, yeah. And 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 then this person now is saying, you know, she's heartbroken not yeah. twice. She's heartbroken that her dog passed, but now for the rest of her life she's she's like I let my dog down. I wasn't there with him. Like yeah. she didn't realize that. So, 
educate yourself. Yes. Another person who did have dogs, same thing, but she went and she's with her dog and, and, they, and they assisted the dog. And then I remember the vet saying something like, oh, do you want to take the dog home to bury or would you like uh, it, it cremated? Yeah. And she said, well, my town doesn't let me bury it. Luckily here out in the farm, I, you know, yes, yeah, that's not an issue. But she said, she said, no, I, I can't because the town doesn't let you I, or else I have no place. So the dog was cremated, but it was mass cremated with other dogs. Mm. And so know all your options. Yes. That's what we tell, tell you. Know your options. Um, have a great working relationship with your vet. That, that's key. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That, that, that is so, so much good information there. And I always think, that's why, that's why I do this. That's why I want to share this information with people because forewarned is forearmed, you know, and if you don't, you can only be as good um, an advocate for your dog as you allow yourself to be, as you educate yourself to be. And, you know, I think the dog would do it for you. So do it for the dog. You know, it's, it's been a real, it's been wonderful talking to you. It's, it's great. And I, I, um, well done on everything you do and trying to share the message and help dogs everywhere. It's just wonderful. Where can people find out more about you online? So they could go to our website. Mm -hmm. uh, it's monkeyshouse.org. M-O-N-K-E-Y-S-H-O-U-S-E.org. Um, -E -E um, they can also find us on Facebook at Monkey's House. Um, and that's, that's where we actually do put a post every night. You'll see a post. And we have followers from around the world. It's funny because uh, a while ago I looked at on Facebook, they have the statistics that you can look at. Yeah. And although, yes, vast majority are in the U.S., it's funny. The U.K. and Canada are fighting for second place <laughs> um, right, from people that follow us. So there's a lot of people in the U.K. that do follow us. I think it was uh, you know close to 2,000 people supposedly yeah. and same in Canada. So that's the places that they could do, you know, they could, they could find more about us on those two places. And um, I'd like to say one thing that you said, if I could add one more thing yeah, is, uh, you know, like you said, because of a dog has a disability, I, I like to say doesn't mean inability. Yeah. So, you know, when I was writing this book, I, I joke, I kind of jokingly, but I said, this book is going to, I don't even say I'm writing a book. I say I'm writing a bestseller. Right. And yeah. People always laugh at me. And, and I have this co couple of coaches that kind of help me with different things and they kind of laugh at me. And I'm like, no, look, I didn't say I'm a great writer. I can tell a great story. I said, these dogs give me that material to tell a great story. Yeah. I said, but who's not going to, who, what dog lover is not going to go out and want to see this book? Because here I have Tequila, who's a Cocker Spaniel, who was going to be destroyed at the shelter mm. that came to our rescue. He's walking on the Jersey Beach. He has no eyes. He has a bad heart condition and who knows what else he has. Yeah. And here he is enjoying himself on the beach, smelling and peeing on seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And this wouldn't have been possible. And yeah. it's just, and that's my chapter. I, I have a whole chapter on there and he's in the chapter called no, no ordinary day at the beach. <laughs> I love that. What it doesn't get better than smelling and peeing on seaweed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here, so that, that's what I said. And when I say that, I said, "Who wouldn't love that story?" So that's yeah. the kind of stories that you're going to get. I, I actually tell, um, I have 37 different stories in the book of of, of different dogs. Uh, I try to I try to weave them into different chapters and different themes. Like I said, there was a beach chapter. There's a, there's a Santa chapter. Everybody goes and sits on Santa's lap. 
Um, and then I do have a couple of those chapters, like the sofa meta, which medicine, which, which kind of is educational. Yeah. And then there's a, whatever it takes chapter. So that whatever it take, takes is really talks about a lot of the different modalities that we use, talks about food therapy. So it does get into, I'm not saying it's a technical, technical book, but it does give you a lot of good advice as well. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Because that's what it's about. You know, you, you've been through this time and time again, but when generally you may, you know, as a, as a, an ordinary pet owner, I may go through this two or three, four times in my lifetime. So to read that book and get all that advice and those tips and see the possibilities and what's available is vital, isn't it? Really, you, you really need that information or to go, you know, come to your Facebook page, but get that information, make life as wonderful for your dog as you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Jeff. Give my love to Michelle and all the dogs there and the best of luck. Oh, thank you. And thank you. Thank you for having me. Monkey's House sounds wonderful. Thank goodness for Jeff and Michelle and their team. We have links on the Dogcast Radio site for monkeyshouse.org, where you can find out more about Jeff's book, Where Dogs Go to Live, a book of inspiring stories of hospice dogs living in the moment. And we have a link to Monkey's House on Facebook. If you've been affected by dog loss, or you have a story you think other Dogcast listeners would enjoy, please get in touch. The ways you can do that are coming up soon in the outro music. That's it for now, so stay safe. And until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dogcastradio. That's all one word, dogcastradio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. Mum, when is a black dog not a black dog? Um, I, I don't know. When? When it's a greyhound. Oh, oh, Jen, Jen, Jen. When is a white dog not a white dog? When... Well, it's a greyhound. Oh, Jen, Jen, Jen. When is a brown dog not a brown dog? Okay, this could take a while. Bye. Jen, Jen. When is a dapple dog not a dapple?